Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 358. I carefully climbed onto the parapet and swung my feet over the edge. The view was spectacular, exhilarating. Can you see the wind? I tried for a moment. It seemed as if... No, it was nothing. I shook my head. Eldon shrugged nonchalantly, though I sensed a hint of disappointment. This is a good place for a namer. Tell me why. I looked around. Wide wind, stone water, old stone. Good answer. I heard genuine pleasure in his voice, but there is another reason. Stone, water, and wind are other places, too. What makes this different? I thought for a moment, looked around, shook my head. I don't know. Another good answer. Remember it. I waited for him to continue. When he didn't, I asked, What makes this a good place? He looked out over the water for a long time before he answered, It is an edge, he said at last. It is a high place with a chance of falling. Things are more easily seen from edges. Danger rouses the sleeping mind. It makes some things clear. Seeing things is a part of being a namer. What about falling? I asked. If you fall, you fall, Aladdin shrugged. Sometimes falling teaches us things too. In dreams, you often fall before you wake. We were both silent in our thoughts for a while. I closed my eyes and tried to listen for the name of the wind. I heard the water below, felt the stone of the bridge beneath my palms. Do you know what they used to say when a student left the university for a term? Elodin asked. I shook my head. They said he was chasing the wind, he chuckled. I've heard the expression. Have you? What did it seem to mean? I took a moment to choose my words. It had a frivolous flavor. As if students were running around to no good purpose. Elodin nodded. Most students leave for frivolous reasons, or to pursue frivolous things. He leaned forward to look straight down at the river below. But that was not always the meaning of it. No? No. He sat back up again. Long ago, when all students aspired to be namers, things were different. He licked a finger and held it to the air. The name most fledgling namers were encouraged to find was that of the wind. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. I have questions. Yes. Well, Elodin, before when he's talking about what names the, those in his class should be looking for, he mentions, I think when Fella gets gets her ring, he mentions it, that like the name that you're most likely to find is the one like best suited to you. So why would students specifically go looking for the wind? Is the wind a name that is more suited to more people? I think we're going to find that out on the next page. Oh, okay. Yes, the very next line is, uh, after they found that name, their sleeping minds were roused and finding other names was easier. But why that name? 
it's answered in the next paragraph on the next page. You'll have to tune uh, in to find no, out. No, I'm too curious. I don't like it. <laughs> hmm. Boo. I feel that this page is also a metaphor for the state of the story. Quoth is not just on an edge literally in space. He is on an edge uh, in his journey, in his story. He is at a place where he uh, is in a high place with a chance of falling, but things are more easily seen. Danger rouses the sleeping mind to make some things clear. So I think that this is a bit of a commentary on where he is and where he's going, in addition to literally being where he is. Mm-hmm. And it also fits in with other things that we have seen Aladdin do to try and rouse people's sleeping minds. Like he wants to sort of activate your like subconscious mind, the part of you that acts without thinking uh, or without conscious thought. Uh, like when he like slaps Fella upside the head to get her to, to like see the, the stone more clearly. That like having that kind of like adrenaline rush, that heightened awareness of things is is part of what you need to activate your sleeping mind. And it also just like it does raise the question, Eladin, I mean, sorry, Elk Shadal is the one who said it to him. Does El- is was Elk Shadal using it in the in the frivolous sense? Or was Elk Shadal trying to tell Quoth, like, you're a namer, you need to go out and like put yourself in a situation where you're gonna figure out how to call the wind on your own without being in a in like a moment of trauma. And you're only gonna you're not gonna be able to do that at the university. You're too kind of comfortable here, you're too safe here. You need to go out and take some risks, and that will activate your naming ability. I can see Elk Shadal using it in the more like frivolous way, but meaning it in the more traditional way. Like I can see him not knowing that traditional meaning and then just sort of using it in that way anyway. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. it does. I also think at the top of the page when he's, when uh, Eladin asks him what he sees, Quoth says, wide wind, strong water, old stone. And I think that's a good answer because he's not just naming, he's not just like pointing out the things that he sees. He is describing them. He's like, he's assigning a quality and a characteristic to them, which is, I think a little bit more akin to understanding their names. Mm -hmm. He's definitely uh, being a better student of Elodin's here. He also says he doesn't know and Elodin approves. Uh, I wonder if it has to do with the setting. If Quoth is resistant to learning from Elodin in, a classroom setting, perhaps as Elodin is resistant to teaching in one. Um, and then whenever they're out, I mean, I don't know what Quoth actually learned from the last time they had an extended outdoor teaching session. Uh, but uh, certainly here, this I is I believe the last time they had an outdoor exchange. teaching session was when Elodin pushed him off the roof. Well, uh, no, the last time they saw each other was with our the clothes. But that but was that, that a, really teaching a teaching session? session? I don't know. Is anything Elodin does a teaching session? My, yes, and my point is this is more effective than the than the uh, classroom stuff by a wide margin. I wonder if it's because like Foth is not really in school anymore. Like he's he's like not taking classes, so maybe he's not in that mindset of like rigid thinking of like thinking like a student. He's just like thinking like a person now. And he doesn't feel the same mm-hmm. pressure to perform to like give Eladin the right answer because he's like he's not getting graded on this. They're just like talking. 
And maybe that's part of the value of chasing the wind too, is to take the training of naming out of the classroom, out of the university and disimbue it with all of that import. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps imbue it with other import, different Mm -hmm. import. Mm -hmm. Love to import. Is there anything else we want to chat about on this page? No. I, was... yeah, okay. yeah. I can't think of anything. Well, then... we have a letter. Uh, this letter is from Gary, who writes on page 535 of Name of the Wind. Hi, pagers. I'm writing today mostly to remind you of a theory posited by Jeremy on page 535 of The Name of the Wind. Listener Kevin wrote in about his Cinder is Brayden theory, which prompted Jeremy to suggest that the the Chandrian are like werewolves. I really like this theory and wanted to expand slightly by suggesting that their triggers are their names. If their motivation is to eradicate all memory of their true names, this will free them from the werewolf curse. The name eradication idea has been discussed fairly extensively, but I wanted to explicitly connect it to Jeremy's werewolf, Mary B. Throwaway, but definitely compelling theory. The long and, uh, this is long and will touch on your responses to a couple of my prior letters. At the risk of inflaming a partially overlapping fan base, I was hoping you could help clarify my frustration with Brandon Sanderson. While I wholeheartedly agree that all STEM-oriented people should have an education in the humanities, I leaned into philosophy and the history of science to provide a framework and context for my field. I am not at all good at developing a fair and insightful critique of literature. While I will never truly recommend reading Sanderson's books, it would be nice to be able to give someone a thoughtful analysis of why I feel that way. I find Sanderson's writing to be plain, bloated, and not particularly clever, essentially the opposite of Rothfuss's writing, but I subject myself to the torture of reading the Stormlight Archives specifically because it contains infrequent but at times very deep kernels of humanity. Dalinar's The Most Important Step a Man Can Take is the Next Alone may be worth reading all 4,000 pages. Do you have any insight here? Maybe another listener will write in if you don't have enough exposure to comment. Cheers, signed Gary. I do not have enough exposure to comment on that one. I guess I'm the only one of us here who's read any Brandon Sanderson at all. Um, Your turn, Jeremy. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for reminding me about a theory that I definitely tossed off and then immediately forgot. I'm sure it was brilliant, and I'm sure it will prove to be true uh, about about the werewolf thing. And I think that your your uh, your supplement, your further adding onto it, is like definitely a worthwhile addition to the theory canon as it were. Yeah. Before um, we get too deep into the, the Sanderson bash cast, I, I want to quickly just touch on the idea that the Chandrian are trying to eradicate something, the story about them, uh, their names. I would uh, maybe suggest that they're trying, or maybe they're changing tax to changing the story about them as evidenced by the, the new Lanra story that Denna uh, lands on. Uh, or is is contracted to to circulate, but there's definitely something going on with like the information about them is somehow tied to their powers and their torture for sure. So thank you, Gary, for reminding us. And now on to the Shanderson Bashcast, starring me, Sean Connery. I I am really going to make an effort here to speak uh, in a constructive way. Uh, I think that's that the things that Brandon Sanderson are very good at as an author and this is bear in mind that all i've read of his is two and a half books of the mistborn trilogy um 
I think he's really good at creating like a, a world and then having a consistent and explicable magic system within that world. So he's really good at the same kind of thing that, that Rothfuss does when Rothfuss creates sympathy. Like he lays out, this is how magic works. Like in scientific terms, there's even like a table at the back of the book that tells you like exactly how everything works. And then within that framework, he shows characters like using that thing in skillful ways. Um, So I think those are the things that he's really, really good at. And also God love him. He is consistent and reliable. Like he is a workhorse in terms of like producing books. Like he knocks out a book every year or two without fail. Uh, And they're like, they're really popular and, and well received. I think for me, the things that Sanderson seems less interested in are having psychologically complex, interesting characters uh, dealing with sex in anything but the most kind of abstract and romanticized way. Um, he's not particularly interested in in doing interesting things with prose. Uh, like his prose is very workmanlike and I found it a little bit uh, kind of boring to read. Um, he's also very good at like action scenes, like writing action scenes. But for me, action scenes don't work if I don't care about the people who are doing the fighting. Uh, so I think those are the things about his writing that just like make him like not the author for me, because I am really interested in, uh, having interesting psychologically complex characters. Uh, I am not a Mormon, uh, which, which Sanderson is, and thus I have no problem with having explicit, uh, sex and treating sex in a less kind of sanctified, um, abstract kind of way. Uh, and I like people who have like a more distinct prose style. And so like, that's, that's, that's where I land on Sanderson. I, I can understand why he's popular and I can see why a lot of people like him. He's just not for me. And he's also like, you know, he's by far not the worst uh, Mormon science fiction author to, to ever exist. <laughs> the worst, incredibly popular, very evil science fiction author to ever exist. Yeah. Uh, I don't have much to say having never, uh, given him much effort. I will say that uh, famously, I was resistant to reading The Name of the Wind when Jeremy recommended it. I was also resistant to reading Game of Thrones when Jeremy recommended it. Uh, and both times because I thought they were Brandon Sanderson books. I thought they were like that same kind of, uh, shall we say, um, bubblegum fantasy that I am under the impression that Sanderson writes. So uh, in this case, I very much have judged books by their cover, uh, but it seems to me from all I gather about Sanderson that uh, I'm not missing too much. But I, in in some ways, like Sanderson and Sanderson adjacent people have like set back fantasy because that is what the most people myself or that's what I think of when I first like am have a fantasy book plopped in front of me. I go, Oh, this is one of those books. I think that's a you problem. I don't think that is anything to do with Brandon Sanderson. It could be a me problem. And I want to say that, like, I enjoy lots of books that I think you would describe as bubblegum fantasy. So that's like not a problem that I have with Brandon Sanderson. And I have no opinions on Brandon Sanderson, having never read his books. 
Or I, I don't even know the titles of any of his books, except for that Jeremy like, says really, one of them is Mistborn, so that. Look, if we wanted to have like a robust discussion about Brandon Sanderson, we'd have to bring on our friend Graham, who really likes him. We could. We could do that. I'm just saying, yeah. it's possible. Well, Graham is a, is a man of discerning taste. Mm-hmm. But he's also a man with a toddler, so you know his time for podcasting may be limited. Hmm. Well, listeners, we'll let you imagine life with a toddler while we <laughs> sign off. <laughs> well, we definitely don't uh, on tomorrow's page of The, the Wind. wind.